Final Gravity Podcast. Some of my best friends rode the short bus. I cannot believe you in charge. What's your name? Steve. Steve? Yes. And you work in your security for Yes, I am. got the Black Hawks colors on. We had some complaints. Yeah, Chicago. Yeah, like what kind of stuff? Noise. Noise. What's up, bitches? I hope I got you guys on your mics. I did a little rewiring in the studio earlier. Testies, testies, one, two, three. Oh, sounds like we got you, Chris. Yeah. All, right. All right, that's on. I hear it. Much better. There we go. Yeah. Oh man, lots of ha- lots has happened since the last show. Um, started riding a lot more, which I'm really happy about. Did 11.3 today. Nice. Which for me that's huge. I know you know some cyclists go out and do 60 miles, and I hear go on some of the forums. The guys are like, "Oh, I did my first century." Nah. <laughs> well, you know, since I bought my bike a month ago, I've done a century, but <laughs> I'm not about to do that in a day. But no, it's uh, it's good. I feel much better. Well, I'm just a stupid asshole who never rides, and then a friend of mine calls me up and says, "Yeah, you want to do 50 miles in New York City?" And I go, "Oh, sure." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet I bet you were sore. Oh, hell yeah. Couldn't <laughs> did, sit down did, the next day. Did you do it? I did it. 50 miles? 50 miles. Holy shit. Yeah, and, that's... And you've uh, seen what kind of shape I'm in. <laughs> yeah, Round. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet, but uh, I'm trying like hell, for sure. Dude, this southern tier is ridiculous. Yes. That is really I, good. I'm not a huge pumpkin beer fan, but their pumpkin I like a lot. And this, this is just fantabulous, man. This yeah, this is, like is uh, it's called Warlock. It's Imperial Stout, brewed with pumpkins and natural flavor. It weighs in at 8.6%. Nice. So it's a, that's a classic fall warmer for us. Yeah. It says here, two-row pale, caramel malt, black malt, Munich, pureed pumpkin, magnum, and sterling hops. And uh, I guess the OG is 19 degrees Play-Doh. I like how they put that on some beers. That is fucking fantastic. I really like that. <laughs> there is definitely no uh, no hiding the pumpkin. I mean, they, they weren't subtle with it, but I appreciate that because... Yeah, it, you know, the, pump, it's, the pumpkin... Um, Meg and I were talking about how it actually kind of smells like gingerbread. 
and tastes like and I think it's the spices you're really getting not not so much the pumpkin right yeah the pumpkin quote unquote spice right I think they put pumpkin in there just so they could say there's pumpkin in there and then they spice it so it tastes good like yep. a pumpkin pie I think I, they're kind of doing that with this too but oh, yeah I mean, it's a really really nice it is it is kind of like it reminds me of pumpkin bread yeah yeah the way my brother makes it yeah it's very good very tasty so those of you guys that uh everyone knows who you guys are but we have chris and forrest sitting with us tonight which is awesome thanks for coming guys it's been a while since i've been here yeah it's been a long while and i'm so looking forward to tonight's show we're going to have mr chris colby uh formerly of byl he's going to be uh skyping in a little later and he's now doing beer wine journal right? yeah beer and wine journal beer and wine journal.com uh you can nice. check it out um they po- they post a lot of content on there it's it's um it's Chris and a couple other, two other guys. So it's just a strictly an online publication right now. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's online. Um, as far as I know, um, we can ask him all about it when he calls in. But I believe it's only online, and they post um, frequent updates, um, pretty much daily or every other day. It seems like so. Um, definitely, guys, check that out. Also, I got an article published on there. Woo! Yeah, hey. I read your article. It was cool. <clears throat> yeah, it was good. Yeah, I was gonna do one also on. Um, unintended decoction mashing which is i'm like the undisputed king of that (laughs) (laughs) oh do describe this now (laughs) every time i've done decoction mashing it wasn't a plan (laughs) i just badly missed my temperatures and i had to pull some some mash out and heat it up it's faster to do that than it is to boil a bunch of water plus it doesn't throw off your um your your actual water grain ratio uh, when you're mashing, so oh okay, it blows okay. a little. A little bit of the water comes out, but um, it's not nearly the same as adding a lot of water. So you kind of keep the ratios the same, but you you can pull the heat up. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll probably be a good article because uh, I find myself uh, fighting with that a little bit. For the last time I brewed, there was actually the last two times I brewed. I really just maybe just because I'm out of practice, but I for whatever reason I was just having an awful time with mash temperatures. It, it was either too high or too low, and it just it was just a constant fight. I'm like, man, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, mine my last one I didn't have a problem with temperature, but I definitely had a problem with efficiency, and it was uh, I always what I have 14 pounds of grain for this uh, five gallon batch, and by the calculations, I ended up with like 60% efficiency. I should have been somewhere on the order of 1080 with an OG, 1075, and I was at 1060. Ooh. Yeah. is going to be coming out good, but it's like, I, I mean, it's, that's kind of low for what I was aiming with the amount of grain I started yeah, with. Yeah, well, the efficiency doesn't mean, you know, you're not going to have good beer if it's low. It's just, you know, it costs you more. <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, like, like I said, I was expecting a little bit more, and I didn't get it, so, you know. Chris, little, tip your mic up a little bit for me. There you go. Is that better? Much better. All right. Yep, thank you. Yeah. Um, it was just, um, yeah, I was expecting a bit more um, gravity out of this one. Yep. So. We're, um, me and my wife, I'm, it's cool because I'm kind of relearning brewing from the get-go because my wife, I mentioned on the last show when we had uh, Farside call in, she started brewing, which is cool. She's doing one-gallon batches. We actually did a, about a one-and-a-half gallon. We were aiming for a two-gallon batch the other night, uh, but... With the hop plant that I found, it was like 50 feet tall, and all the hops, it was all uh, obviously, you know, fresh leaf hops, and I was trying to figure out, because we're doing brewing a bag, so I was trying to figure out how much water the grain would soak up, and then how much I would boil off, so we, we haven't figured out our boil off yet, so that's something we really need to nail, because it seems like every batch has come up a little short on 
volume what we're aiming for yeah but then when i threw all these hops at it <laughs> we, we came up way short oh yeah, yeah <laughs> way short i think those hops soaked up about half a gallon man yeah <laughs> it was I'm, crazy I'm, I'm working on that too because i've um the last batch i did i was actually outside on the uh the turkey fryer burner instead cool. of in the uh instead of in the kitchen which is nice it it helps bring the the boil up faster big but, time and you don't have to worry about spilling and getting your ass kicked well, I'm the one who has to clean it up anyway, but uh, yeah, yeah, it well. was nice. It, it, I had a boil over, it just went into the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice, a little nicer when you don't have to uh, wipe it up or worry about burning out elements and all kinds of shit. Yeah, the next thing I got to do is get that king cooker assembled. And one of the things that, that's keeping me from doing it is that uh, for the uh, the 20 gallon pots that I bought, I need to engineer some changes to it. Okay. So raise one of the burners up and make make sure everything fits because if I if I put it in the way it is as it comes out of the box, the 20 gallon pots aren't centered. Oh, uh, okay. You know, one's off to the side and then I can't stick the other one up the top because they're the heights and all that stuff. So. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You posted that a while back that you ordered it. That's a pretty sweet price on that thing. How on the oh, yeah. structurally does it seem pretty beefcake or It's it's it'll do the job. It'll right? do the job. I wouldn't say it's beefcake. It's one inch <laughs> angle. So right, well, that's it's, decent. It's, it's, it's decent. I mean, um, bed frames are usually about one and a half inch. So if you're used to a bed frame thing, it looks a little light. But uh, I mean, it, if from what I've seen on the reviews, there's a lot of people who use kegels on these things with no problem. So. Cool. Damn, I've got a bed frame that's been in the garage for like, I don't know how many years. I should probably do something with that. You probably should. Well, this is, I actually got bed frames from my father just before I ordered this thing because we were cleaning out his house before he sold it. And it's like, oh great, I can I can build a rig, but I I knew that I didn't have a whole lot of time, and it, and then I saw the price on this thing. I'm like, well shit, and just throw a credit card at it, and you know what was it, 150 bucks or something like this? Yeah, that's I mean that that's worth just your time and effort of screwing around, cutting down bed frames and welding them, and you know it, yeah, like and then you, you said, still you, have to buy the I mean I figure and it was came the cost with of the burners, burners right? Yeah, it, it's it's complete. It's got it's got a, a one banjo burner, and then it's got that like. Jet burner the that's jet supposed burner. to be 105,000 BTUs or something like that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Go through a tank of propane in 10 minutes. <laughs> nice. Damn, you a six-figure motherfucker now. 100,000. Uh-huh. Got a, a hunch. <laughs> you know, a, a great idea, if, I think, for a DIY project would be a, um, a hot press for a post, you know, post-boil. Put them in the hot press and get your, you know, your... 26 ounces of beer back or whatever <laughs> stored in there. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about some DIY stuff. I I'm, <gasps> think it's almost time for me to write another article. I'm just trying to figure out what to do it on. I have to think long and hard on that. Yeah, one of the things I'm still in the planning stages with this cooker is the fact that if I'm going to do it with the 20-gallon pots, now it's also plumbing all up. I got the pump. I got the I got a, a plate chiller now, and so I got to get all the fittings and kind of figure out how I'm gonna, right? You know, rig it, rig it, plumb it, and all that kind yep. of stuff. Because five gallons, even even you know six in in the in the eight gallon pots that I'm using now, I can lift them and I can pour them. You know. Yeah. No, you're gonna want yeah, valves you know. and a pump. And, yeah, you and definitely need this for that. It's just just way way too much liquid. And when I tell you how cool it's gonna be when you just hit a switch. And, and just pump from your yeah. hot liquor into your mash tun, <laughs> and then gravity feed down to or whatever you know. It's it's yeah, it's awesome. And then mm-hmm. I even now I'm so lazy now. I even I can fit my carboy under my boil kettle yeah. and just open the valve and after I chill and just dump yeah. it into the the carboy. Now I figured out a way to pump it into the carboy. <laughs> <laughs> 
you just got one pump on your rig, right? Yeah, All I right. just I have a one pump that and a bunch of different bunch of satellite different hoses. hoses. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I was figuring. I got the one. They're all made up with the quick disconnects and stuff, so it, it it's awesome when yeah, when you don't the, have to lift anything. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Except to get the whole freaking rig up and out of the basement, but that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's five steps, but teeny yeah. tiny door. Yeah, not not too bad. Yeah. And then the only thing you have to lift is uh, your carboys at the end of the day. Yep. Not too bad, and your grain going out. So, but yeah, you'll love brewing with pumps. It, it's awesome. It's a whole different animal. Oh yeah. So what else? What what have you guys you you said you guys have been brewing a little bit? I heard cider mentioned before and yeah, did a cider. First one that didn't turn out like shit, <laughs> <laughs> or taste like cheap Chardonnay, which is usually what happens with mine. Yeah, ciders can be tough. I've even had yeah. some like apple wines that can be really kind of weird. You know, it's, it just seems like... The first one I did was just basically a, a... I didn't even document it. It was just a silly experiment. I had I went and bought three gallons of uh, some uh, um, cold pasteurized cider from down from the local shop right and poured it into a bucket and threw a, a packet of... Uh, um, what was it? It was uh, wheat beer yeast into it. And it came out great. It was very dry. This one I did... Almost the same thing. It's now five gallons of the cider and two and a half pounds of uh, unfiltered honey. Got the both both of them in there and two packs of Safeal 05. So we'll see how it's going. It's been a week. So it's uh, technically what a sizer, right? Technically, yeah, with the honey. Yeah. It's a little bit of a sizer, but uh, yeah, this one this one should be about eight percent. Cool. And my cousin has a pear tree in her yard, and Ooh, uh, nice. I'm thinking about doing a perry, and I was thinking about using the cocoa nibs and do like a chocolate perry that'd be interesting something like that yeah we have a pear tree as well but we only got about a dozen pears this year which is a dozen more than we got last year but so it's it's finally starting to bear fruit nice yeah i have two. Hey, and that's not a metaphor <laughs> <laughs> i never get to use that not as a metaphor that's awesome <laughs> We're getting some uh, feedback in the chat saying we have to get Chugger back on the oh, show because yeah. everybody wants pumps. I still kick myself for missing that show. Yeah, God me too. It. I was here and I still missed out on a pump. I got to call that fucker because he still <laughs> owes me a pump. <laughs> <laughs> now, we'll, we'll, uh, I actually I saw Michael at uh, NHC and uh, we're going to try and get him back on the show for sure. I also want to get uh, some of our, you know, our first beginning shows we had uh i think it was joel from two brothers on they've expanded i think three or four times since we had him on the show i'd love to get him back and hear about his expansion also a uh, mile marker brewing they just expanded so it, it'd be cool to hear like how they're growing as companies oh yeah I'd like to get some of those guys back on the show for sure so i think um let's see yeah, we got a couple minutes and then we'll cut the break and then chris colby's going to skype in at about uh 8 30 so we got a couple more minutes, and I'm friggin' clear out of beer. I may need to get come in and get more of that. That sounds that like a bad situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm, thanks for the reach around, Chris. <laughs> Always glad, happy to help there. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the gay commentary has begun already. <laughs> That's Shit, all right. We're only on our first bottle. That's all right. It's going to get ugly because we're going to be talking about... Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't even say what we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be talking about big beers tonight, brewing big beers. And uh, we have a bunch of big beers. So by the uh, third segment, you know, if we're you know still coherent, then uh, it should be a good night. 
if we're not, then uh, you guys will just leave the feed open and you guys can laugh at us passed out on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, you want me to do events now? I can do it now. Um, you want to save it for Yeah, let's save it for okay. maybe uh, like coming out of the second segment because I just I don't know that we're going to have time for them uh, before our next break. Let me actually bring up our break here and see. We need a producer. We really do. <laughs> we really do. And I think I have to figure out, too, I'm, I need a splitter or something. I'm going to bring the Mac down here because my office just moved and we downsized. So I'm going to be doing a lot more work from home, which oh, is cool. good for me, yeah. awesome for me. But I need the room upstairs so I can do the work from home. So I'm going to bring the Mac down here. So you guys will have a Mac out at that table coming up soon. I just have to get a splitter so you guys will have internet on it. I don't even know if it's worth it. Maybe the laptops are just better, but... Well, you could just plug well, in a yeah. USB we'll wireless have, doodad. You don't need to... Yeah, we'll have it to play with. Which will be cool. And maybe we can even talk about doing that split camera stuff. That'd be neat. What, uh... Yeah, we might as well just go to break, and then we'll come back in, and by that time, Chris will be calling in, and we'll refill our beers and eat some of the um, stuff that's going to make us fart funny later. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Forrest brought some uh, cheese and sausage that looks very tasty but smells a little funny. All right, guys, uh, stick around, and uh, when we come back, we'll be uh, talking to Chris Colby. You're listening to Final Gravity Podcast. Hey guys, I like to shop. And when I come home from shopping, the last thing I want to do is carry my bags through the snow. I wish my husband would just get a shed from Pleasant Run Structures so I could have my garage back. He could put all of his man stuff in the shed and grow out. I mean, all he has to do is call 908-237-1325 and get the man cave up the street. They even offer a two-story shed and then we have to buy a shed. Pleasant Run Structures has two locations in New Jersey, Persephone and Wow, what the hell was that noise in the dorm room? Do you still have Coors Light or NASCAR draft handles on it? I don't know what the hell. Look no further. Fisher Woodcraft has the solution. Fisher Woodcraft hand turns exotic hardwood tap handles. And let me tell you, these How things do I send are a message? Give your kegerator that sleek look with a Fisher Woodcraft tap handle. Fisher Woodcraft also offers hand-spun bowls, mugs, and more. Look them up online, www.fisherwoodcraft.com. That's www.fisherwoodcraft.com. Hello, beer drinkers. Look at your peanuts. Now look at my peanuts. Now look at yours. Now back to mine. Sadly, your peanuts are not JB Gourmet peanuts. Look down. Now look up. Where are you? You're at jbgourmetpeanuts.com. What's that in your hand? It's the original peanuts. Look down. Now look back up. It's the spicy. What's that in my hand? It's a 16-ounce jar of peanuts. Look again. They're gone. Look again. The refill bag has filled it back up. Now they're diamonds. Spicy, delicious, addictive diamonds. Come on. Is there some, uh, some bad sound? 
Yeah, do me a Give favor. Call, Mute your Mom. mic for a second. Ask about their peanuts. 201-906-8777. Or visit their website, jbgourmetpeanuts.com. That's jbgourmetpeanuts.com. Hey guys, it's Jay. Just wanted to reach out and thank all of our listeners for supporting our show over the years. Keep it up, man. Don't forget to go to our homepage and click on those links for the AHA and BYO. Helps you out and it helps us out as well. If you think there's nothing better than the look of polished stainless and copper, if you're not sure that six tap handles is going to be enough in your chest freezer, then you're in the right place. Welcome back to Final Gravity. back we had a little uh i don't know chris skyped in and we had some issues with his sound but i think we got it all squared away you guys still hearing static out there i just seen in the chat that there's uh oh yeah we sounds clear on our end that's okay. me yeah all right good so we should be good now live mic is fine all right all right excellent let's see where chris is i hear him do we have Mr. Chris Colby with us? Hello. Hey. Yeah, you're loud and clear. Okay. <clears throat> How are you guys? Good. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. I don't know where your video went. I think... Did you shut down your video? You must have, right? I did, just for a bandwidth. Cause yeah, that's, that's probably a good idea, because I think my computer's about to fucking melt. <laughs> 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 I saw smoke coming out a little earlier, so... Oh, I'm sorry, that was me. Oh. <laughs> it was the sausage. The sausage, right. So how the hell are you? I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Nice. It's been, uh... I think I was on your show, like, uh, in 2011 once. Yeah, a long time ago. Ages. You were on briefly when we did our, uh... I think our beer media show, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Very cool. So how? So we were talking about uh, formerly of BYO, and now you have Beer and Wine Wine Journal. Do you want to talk a little bit about that transition? Yeah. Um, in June of this year, uh, James Spencer and I, and also uh, Steve Wilkes, although I'm not sure how much he's going to be involved, but uh, we formed Beer and Wine Journal, uh, and it's basically a daily newspaper of. Uh, Home brewing, home wine making, and uh, you know we'll also deal with mead making and cider making, and you know uh, grilling a little bit. Yeah, we love anything uh, beer. Not so much wine on this end, not for me, but 
And uh, grilling. Yeah, you got you to have the grilling in there. Smoking? No? Did we lose him? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. Sorry. Can You, you can hear us, right, Chris? I can hear you, yes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we were just wondering, uh, this is for us, Chris. Uh, we were just wondering if you guys were um, doing anything on smoking or would be open to that, maybe? We did, um, we did an article on uh, smoking malt at home. And we've also done, like, for, for just, like, grilling smoking, we've done uh, one on smoking turkeys. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I did, um, last year I did uh, Sean Paxton's recipe for his beer brine turkey in the smoker. It was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it was awesome. So, um, you said it's a daily web webzine, I guess you would call it, or... Sure, we think of it. We think of it as a newspaper, but newspaper, cool. And so you do. Um, you guys have recipes on there. I actually, I, I will admit my guiltiness. I haven't been to the site yet. I haven't taken a look at it. Yeah, it. Uh, we have recipes. We have articles about how to. We have, um, you know, sometimes if we go somewhere, we'll do a, you know, brew pub tour or whatever that kind of stuff. It's mostly how to homebrew but it uh it bounces around a little bit very cool yeah i just saw the uh brew in a bag article i still have not tried that and i really need to it's awesome dude i'm seriously considering like we were talking earlier my wife's starting to do it now i'm seriously considering selling my rig and just going to brew in a bag i i've been loving it the ease of it is just ridiculous it's it's a learning curve because i'm trying to figure out you know the grain uh, to water ratio and all that, so it's still a learning curve for me. But I just I may go that route. And we've had uh, our listener Danny. He sent us some beer, and that's all he does is brew in a bag. So I would say that every one of the beers he sent us has been awesome. So I, I don't think that uh, there's any reason I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> one less vessel, or well, two less vessels to worry about. Chris, um, have you done brew in a bag? Or are you still kind of a traditional old school guy? I do mostly uh, regular old three vessel. Um, I've done some partial mash things where I do uh, s- kind of sort of brew in a bag, but no, I, I do I do pretty much. I've got a, a fancy schmancy system right now, and so I pretty much do the the full on you know three vessel. Awesome. What's uh, w- could you go into more detail about the schmancy? The Schmancy is a, a store-bought Schmancy. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's a, a more beer, uh, I think, fifteen fifty, whatever. It's the one with their tippy dump uh, mash tun on top, and oh, yeah, just uh, yeah, no fabrication skills whatsoever needed from me. I just uh, it just showed up on a truck one day, and uh, yeah, I just I just pulled that one up. The fifteen fifty tippy. It looks pretty kick-ass. Yeah, it's I like it a lot. I had. Uh, I was one of those guys for a lot, long time. I had a really sort of low rent system cobbled together out of all this stuff. And at the time, I was like, "Oh, you know, you don't need all that fancy stuff to brew. That's just ridiculous." And then I got it, and I was totally like, "This is the best thing ever." <laughs> the engineering. <laughs> I, I like totally just changed all my views overnight. Like, yeah. no, oh no, it's this like is, this y- is what you need. <laughs> well, the funny thing, like everyone says, you don't need nice shit. Well, the people who don't have nice shit say you don't need nice shit. And once you get it, you're like, "Oh man, this is the only way to fly." Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although the engineer in me is taking a look at that and the, the King Cooker I just bought and going, mm, I could engineer." something like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
Yep. Yeah, that is slick. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can make nice beer on stuff that's cobbled together, and, and I mean, I did for years. But the nice thing about a full like setup system like that is, you know, because this has got the pump to move liquids everywhere, and it's just so much easier. Everything, you know, everything is set up uh, nicely, and so it's not me lifting, you know, a vessel on top of, you know, an old bookcase so that it has enough uh, clearance to drain down into the kettle, and you know. All sorts of, uh, you know, all that jury rigging that had to go on. <laughs> yep, familiar with that. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I got the ghetto set up, totally. I, I need to get something like that. What the hell is that noise? That sounds like a garage door uh, I, I think Chris just got abducted by aliens, I'm pretty sure. Chris? Hello? Yeah, please turn off whatever that is. All right, I'm going to have to uh, mute him for a little bit. Well, what was that? It's crazy. Chris, you there? Okay, I'm back. Is my mic making some crazy noise? It sounds like you just jumped into the dryer. Oh. Uh, what the fuck is that noise? <laughs> I don't know. The, uh, the air conditioning turned on. That might have been it. Wow. Holy wow. cow. I think <laughs> your, your gain on your mic might be a little too hot or something because it literally sounded like you just jumped into your dryer. No, it, might, it must be something else. I don't know. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, hopefully that won't happen again. <laughs> I actually have it, or I had a decent mic until the cats destroyed it. Uh-oh. Yeah. Which is the story of, like, every decent thing I have in my house. He's <laughs> <laughs> a crazy cat guy also. Don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> How many cats? <laughs> uh, we're, we're down to 17 right now. What? Oh, down to? Shit. Indoor. Are I have two, and I can barely handle two. Down to yeah, cats have an expiration period. Yeah, turns when, out. when you ask someone how many cats they have and they say that, and it starts with down to, you know there's way too many. <laughs> yeah, but then the number after that was just. <laughs> so you're a cat hoarder. Cat hoarder, yes, indeed. <laughs> nice. So uh, I guess our our main topic tonight is going to be brewing big beers. So uh, I guess we'll just let you have the stage and uh, start talking about some tips for brewing big beers. I guess one of my questions is, um, or one of my things that I'm always concerned with is we do a barrel project. Actually, we're probably going to do one or two now a year. And I'm kind of limited by mash ton space. Any ideas on, you know, being able to brew a big beer more than four or five gallons because my mash ton is maxed out yeah there's actually a couple ways you could do that one really obvious way is uh just use malt extract to uh boost your uh uh your gravity another way and i and i just posted a couple things on this on beer and wine journal recently is um just something i called reiterated mashing where you you mash your grains once uh you run that off and you use that that wort you've got the first time as your essentially your brewing water, your brewing liquor for the second mash. So you're mashing the your the main mash of your beer. You're mashing it with wort, and that uh, lets you uh, that much, that lets you make a very very high gravity uh, wort coming out of your mash tun, and that that helps a lot if you want to make. Uh, if you want to make a lighter color beer and you don't want to like boil for five hours to, to 
condense your work. You can uh, spe- essentially spend that five hours mashing for a, for a super high gravity uh, word coming out of your uh, out of your lotter tongue. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, that's I would have never thought of that. Yeah, it's um, uh, I think uh, I mean it used to be done in some cases, like back in England. There's uh, Randy Mosier in one of his books mentions something about it. Um, and anyway, it's kind of a neat idea, and it's one that um, uh, a brew pub just opened up next to me, uh, Best Trap Brewing, and uh, I've been talking to the, the brewer, Ed Peters, there, and, and he's thinking about uh, the two of us doing a, a beer that way, a high-gravity beer over there sometime, so that should be pretty fun. Awesome. Very cool. You guys have uh, some more questions about high-gravity? got to be uh more tricks that that mash trick is awesome i'm gonna have to remember that because we're gearing up to do a russian imperial stout soon so that will be extremely helpful i was just gonna say buy a bigger mash ton <laughs> well yeah i mean and, and that's that's the obvious answer but i i love the way my mash ton fits so nicely on my rig yeah, I, that's, I, the, that's the daddy warbucks solution to everything i'll just buy a better shit right <laughs> Yeah, Chris. <laughs> Quit being an asshole and buy better stuff. Yeah, just go buy a tippy dump. <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, I have one of those enormous fishing coolers, those yeah, yeah, like yeah. four foot long. I mean, I, I could do a wicked mash, but <laughs> I really don't kind of want to try and put that on top of my rig. It just it wouldn't be pretty. You'd have to do some engineering on that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that thing would weigh... I wouldn't even be able to pick it up with all that grain in it. That thing would weigh like 300 pounds. <laughs> all right, we have, a, we have a question in the chat for Chris. How high can you reasonably expect uh, to get, I'm assuming, gravity uh, using malt extract or a partial mash? Using malt extract? Yes. Uh, how high a gravity? Um, however much you stir in, really. Uh I'm not sure I understand what the question is asking. I guess maybe is there a functional, you know, limit on it where at some point it's not going to, either it will taste shitty or, you know, the yeast won't react well to it or something. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, there's certainly uh, a gravity of wort over which, I mean, you're, you're just not going to get the yeast to, to ferment it well. I mean, you'll be left with a, like a very cloying, sticky, uh, you know, something that's not really worth drinking. Um, and I mean, what exactly that level would be would depend on how much yeast you're willing to raise, how much aeration, and uh, all sorts of things. But um, I mean, certainly as a home brewer with a reasonable amount of preparation, you can ferment things up to uh, you know 25, 26 Plato, you know, um, uh, you know, specific gravity of like 1.100 or, or you know a little bit higher than that. But when you start creeping up beyond that too much you get into the range where you sort of either really really need to know what you're doing and uh do a lot of preparations or you're just gonna fail very very badly (laughs) (laughs) i have a question um what do you think about what what kind of pitching rate for yeast what kind of cell count are you how do you adjust for a bigger beer or do you oh yeah i definitely do you really need to pitch a lot of a lot of yeast for uh for a higher gravity beer, if you use the, uh, there's the standard old, um, what is it, a million cells per 
milliliter per degree Plato. That's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good uh, guesstimate of what you'll need. And, and when you get up in higher and higher gravities, that really adds up. I mean, you really. Um, I mean, I actually I have a microscope and the hemocytometer and all that that I can do cell counts, but nine times out of ten or. 99 times out of 100, I end up just looking at the, the little Mr. Multi calculator of how big of a yeast starter to make. And, um, yeah, you end up, you know, making two or three gallon yeast starter for the, you know, the really large batches of beer. And, um, <laughs> it's, you know, it takes, you know, when you're putting almost as much time in making your yeast starter as, as a normal batch of beer, you know, that takes a lot of time, but you, you're really rewarded when you, when you pitch all that yeast and you you know you have a really high gravity beer and you know it starts fermenting right away it, it goes through an ordered fermentation you know it doesn't stick anywhere it doesn't you know just slow down and and, and you know just struggle for days and days and days but you actually get a reasonable fermentation out of it uh Did you? so yeah i definitely i i definitely pay attention to pitching rate and definitely try to raise um as much yeast as possible um, with you know, as much yeast as the uh, as a pitching rate calculator would indicate that you should pitch, I think you're you're you know you've got a little bit of leeway. You can you should go about half of what they recommend because half is just one one yeast replication away from the the right amount. Uh, but below that, you're starting to get into some more problems. You said two to three gallon starter. I've made two to three gallon starters, yeah. For how big of a batch and, and what, you know, starting gravity are we talking about? For five gallons at, I, I made a... Uh, well, you don't have any room for the beer. Yeah, so what? I guess you split it, two carboys, I'm assuming, or... Well, you you ferment it, you let the yeast sediment out, and you pour the, the, the starter word out. Right. Yeah, because otherwise, yeah, you'd have to brew like a, almost <laughs> like a solid chunk of beer and then dissolve it in your starter. Uh, but no, yeah. So you get you just harvest the yeast out of it. Um, but I, I one of the bigger brewers I brewed, I made a Sammy Claus clone once, Ooh. which is like a fourteen percent lager. Shit's awesome. Yeast. Yeah, it's really good, but it's uh, it's very high gravity, and it's a lager on top of that. So you you really need a lot of yeast. And uh, but if you raise it, because uh, um, actually White Lab sells the yeast for that. It's a uh, uh, it's a revolving one, one that shows up every once in a while. It's the Zerk Lager yeast, because um, huh. it's and the, and the weird thing, the strain was originally used for making some sort of low gravity lager somewhere, but somebody, for reasons I have no idea, uh, figured out that it could also ferment to just super high gravity, and uh, so now it's now it's used in uh, in brewing Sammy Claus, and anyway, that that strain works really well, but you need. Uh, you need the the cell count to do it. Right, we, we had um we've had a couple of different um, pro brewers on the show, and one of the things I always wanted to know is wh- how the hell do they finish these beers so quickly? Uh, because the turn time is you know in, in a pro setup pretty quick, even for a high gravity beer. And you know, so I was like, well, what do you just pitch the hell out of it? And they're basically like, yes, <laughs> we pitch a shitload of yeast, and it finishes really fast and really clean. And that's, you know, that's how you get it done. Cause I, and I think for some reason there's been this m- kind of almost like a myth in homebrewing that you can have too much 
yeast or something. I don't know. It just seems like that's always been a thing. But the pros, they just do a ton. And just, you know, three to four times the level that a home brewer would probably do. And uh, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about that, Chris? Is this something you recommend? Yeah, they're no, they're exactly right. It's uh, just pitch the hell out of it. Um, I mean, there are, there are three or four things you can do to speed along a big beer fermentation, like a, like a really big beer beyond a, you know, beyond just a like a eight or nine percent. But I mean, if you're if you're getting like ten, eleven, twelve percent up in there, there's some things you can do to speed along the fermentation. It really helps. And uh, you know, pitching the right amount of yeast is 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 the first and foremost and like overarching thing that's going to help you uh a second thing you can do is uh pitch pitch the yeast you know after you've aerated or and get up the next day like fairly early before high croissant and and give the wort a second shot of oxygen before before the yeast have have uh before they've hit like high croissant before it's it's before the fermentation has reached its maximum intensity that second shot of oxygen is really going to help in a super high gravity beer like that um, wow! Another, yeah, I don't think I've ever read that anywhere. That's really, really good tip. Yeah, yeah, you, you you see it every once in a while, um, and especially I've seen it in um, in some professional texts about that they don't. A lot of times they don't talk about super high gravity beer fermentation because that's not normally what professional brewers are are doing. Right. You know, ninety seven percent of beer that's made professionally is fizzy yellow lager so right, they don't they <laughs> not don't, a lot of need for them to worry about uh 25 play-doh you know words they don't cover but, the sammy claus clone in the uh, fermentation sciences degree yeah i don't think they do <laughs> but um yeah hitting it with a second dose of oxygen because you know the first one you've pitched a bunch of yeast and you've added that oxygen the yeast are going to grab that all up pretty quickly but then they're going to uh, have divided a couple times, so each individual cell is going to be low on on sort of the the oxygen made products like sterols and all that. So hit them with a second dose, like right when they're they're sort of approaching the density that they're going to be fermenting the word at, and that'll they'll be able to bring some oxygen. They'll be healthier, and they'll be able to crunch through that fermentation a lot better. So how would you recommend introducing that second round of oxygen? I just use. Um, I mean, you can do it however you normally do. I have one of those. Uh, it's a little regulator that screws on the little uh, the, the red canisters of oxygen that people use for, like, welding torches. Um, and you then it's just got a little plastic tube going out to a... Well, it goes through a HEPA filter, but then it goes just to a little uh, aeration stone. And so it's just filtered oxygen going out through a aeration stone. And I just uh, swirl the carboy, um, you know, usually about a minute. At that point, you might only need like a half a minute. You don't really need to super go nuts with aeration at that point. But uh, you know, just whatever your whatever your normal aeration setup is, if it's uh, unless it's like pouring the the thing between carboys or something like that, which is <laughs> when when you got fermenting beer would not be the way to do it. Well, yeah, I, do do yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I was I was gonna say. So you're talking about actual, you know, O2, not air. Yeah, yeah. I, you're I not introducing you, air. You're you actually just, talking about diatomic oxygen, straight up. Yeah, uh, well, okay. there's oxygen, yeah. right? Yeah, you, you can, can I, you can use air though. I mean, you can you can hook those the same setup instead of having it connected to a uh, an oxygen tank. You can have it connected to an aquarium pump. Okay, yeah, and uh, that just works too. Hit it a lot longer, right? A little bit, yeah. At that point, you'd want to do like usually. I think the rule of thumb is do it about five times as long 
as you normally would have if you're doing just air with oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, we could. Uh, you could hook it up to some nitrous and, and give the yeast some hippie crack. <laughs> <laughs> Horsepower beer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we have another question. Uh, this from a couple minutes ago, Chris. Um, what What do you recommend? What yeast strains do you think are better for high gravity than others, and what would you recommend? Oh, wow, there's a lot of them, and it depends on what you want to do. Um, I mean, if you're doing a lager, that Zurich lager strain is fantastic. Um, if you're doing a, like a, if you want an ale, and a, like a clean ale, the uh, the standard sort of California yeast, uh, you know, Y-Yeast 1056 or White Labs WP-001 or, or what is it, Fermenus Ferment, US-056 or whatever they call it now. Oh, five, yeah, US-05. Oh, five, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a up. great strain. That works well on high gravities. Uh, it's the one I used in the... Uh, there's a number of English strains that work that. really good. And the uh, if you like Belgian-y stuff, that, the Trappist Ale, it's like 3787 from Y-East, and uh-huh. there's, a, there's an equivalent uh, one in, in White Labs. Uh, that's that's a really good high gravity strain, too. That's uh, it was made for triples and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think White Labs, um, I think it's 500 and 550 are both really good. And I just looked up the Zurich, um, for anyone who's curious, is WLP885. That's the White Labs number. And that's seasonal, apparently, right? The Zurich? Yeah, it's um, available September and October, so you want to get on that now. Wow. Yep, and it says says here it's rated for lagers over 11%, so with minimal sulfur and diacetyl production. Phew. Wow. That's a big lager. I actually have a bottle of Sammy Claus back there. I think I'm going to save oh, it for dude, our holiday awesome. party. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it is so good. Sammy Claus is really good. Yeah, I've got an 8% cider that uh, I just put in uh, that I used the Safeale uh, 05 on. And actually, I think I underpitched the first day. And so what I did, essentially, was I took the second pack and just threw it on there. And within within the next 12 hours, it was really going, so... Yeah, I, I I just we were talking about this before the show. I just did a it was a one gallon sort of test cider batch, and I didn't really even do any math or anything. I just added a bunch of sugar and was goofing around. Ended up being uh, 1.1 on the OG. So I pitched a whole pack of T58 uh, for one gallon, and man, it took off like it was insane. Um, it finished great too. Some residual sweetness and some of that nice phenolic pepperiness of the yeast. It's good stuff. I have a question for you, Chris. Have you ever played around with um, sort of not not really staggered nutrient addition? That would be a different, I guess, a different animal. But have you ever played around with brewing a beer and then continually adding sugar through fermentation to get it to be a, a high gravity beer? I've done that once. Yeah, I uh, a couple years ago, um, I was talking with uh, this guy Johnny or well, John McKissack is his name, but he had a a podcast at the time and he called himself Johnny Max and he uh he did this beer called uh I forget what he called it like certificate of death or something like that <laughs> but uh he, he made a high gravity wort and then every couple days he fed it with with just more like super thick wort and and got it up to some ridiculously high level and I tried that once and yeah it does work because there's there's a certain amount or there's a certain wort density above which if you pitch yeast into it the yeast are just going to give up they're gonna say you know no i can't do this sorry and uh flocculate out and uh so if you start 
you know, you start the beer and you let you let the gravity dip a bit and then you add some more sugar to get it back up to that level, you know, and then let it dip. Yeah, that works. That's for like that's something to do for like really high you know, really high gravity stuff. Did you what were the results of that? I mean, was it was it drinkable or was it you know, did does it change the beer by doing that? It was his beer, because uh, uh, I met him this one time and tried it. It was really super thick, uh, really super malty. Um, it was it was pretty cloying at that point. I mean, because it was just so huge, a, a big beer. But it was, uh, I was surprised in that it wasn't, I was expecting the, like the esters and all the fermentation characters to just be blown out. But the, it was actually pretty restrained that way. Um given how big of a beer it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was really boozy. It was, you know, you just tasted it, and the first thing you tasted was like, yeah, that's there's alcohol in that. Right. You know? Yeah. I Somewhere think- around this alcohol, there's some beer molecules, you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't like that. Like, the yeah. Sam Adams Utopias, that sucked. Yeah, I, I don't think it's anything I'd ever want to try, but I just figured, you know, some of our listeners are like, you know sucking down Mountain Dew and four cups of cappuccino. Maybe they'll go over the top with that. So if you yes. guys do it, send us one. I just pulled up um, Rate Beer's top alcohol you know, beers by li- by number. Number one is Brewmeister Armageddon, 65%. 65%? <laughs> it's an Icebox, yeah. Oh, all the top three are Icebox. I was going to say, Actually, I said... Five of the top six are icebox. Yeah, they're like There's insane. Whiskeys that aren't that strong. <laughs> yeah, none of them have a high rating either. So <laughs> I should yeah. let you know. It was one of those things like let's just see if we can do this. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it sucks. We're just gonna we're gonna yeah. give it a shot. It'll get you drunk. Yeah, we we just want the uh, the number in the book so we can say we did it. Right. Yeah. I was I was wanting to try some of those um, brew dog beers. I've seen those like in uh, Shoprite, like in the twenties. Or, you know, 18 or 20 percent. That's just a lot. I think I tried one of their. Um, I think it was called Sink the Bismarck. Yeah, yes, that's on it was, here. It was one of theirs when it was at the strongest beer in the world because that, that's another one they they freeze concentrate. And it really, you know, it was interesting, and I'm glad I tried it. But like, if someone would give me one for free, it would sit <laughs> in my fridge forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I would never like choose to drink it beyond a stunt. You know. <laughs> it's like a hey y'all watch this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's uh, on right. on the list number seven at forty one percent, and it's actually the highest rated um, out of the top seven <laughs> for flavor. Yeah, they they list it as an imperial IPA. There's that damn dryer again. Turn that thing off, will you? All right. Uh, well, I think what we'll do is we'll cut to a break. When we come back, maybe we can talk what about winter warmers. Final gravity. I don't know if you can hear me. <laughs> I can hear you. All right. Yay. All right, guys. We'll be right back. We're going to get a refill, and we'll continue talking to Chris Colby. Mute your mic, Chris. This is Owen Tate. When I'm not sucking the cream filling out of Twinkies, I dream about showering in beer with the guys from Final Gravity Podcast. Hey 
It's JW. I'm from the Shipping in Milford, New Jersey, and you're listening to the Final Gravity Podcast. I gotta find some dumb hot chicks to interview. <laughs> so, what's your favorite beer? Coors <laughs> Light. Ah, another intelligent discussion about beer. So what do you taste in that beer you're drinking? Really, you're going to ask me that kind of thing? What kind of beer are you drinking, first of all? Well, apparently what I have right now is copper and dark ale. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not my kind of beer, but right now, it's my kind of beer. Uh, Jim, what do you like about the beer you're drinking there? Uh, this uh, this beer right here, the best part about this beer um, so far is the fact that it's very wet. Uh, it also has uh, carbonation to it, so there's a plethora of bubbles. Um, I like the wetness, I like the bubbles, and uh, I like the fact that when I drink it, uh, the tastes are fantastic. What, what, what are some of the, the flavors you're getting out of that beer? Uh, well, definitely, I, I can taste, uh, I taste more of the wetness than anything. Um, and once again, the bubbles. So more or less the bubbles and the wetness is what I'm tasting at this point. How about you guys? What what, what was your favorite beers? Uh, Magic Hat Citrus Boy. Hey, this is Casey Kramer. I'm from River Horse Brewing Company, and you're listening to the Final Gravity Podcast. Does your kegerator still look like it belongs in a dorm room? Do you still have Coors Light or NASCAR tap handles on it? Look no further, Fisher Woodcraft has the solution. Fisher Woodcraft hand turns, exotic hardwood tap handles, and let me tell you, these things are beautiful. Give your kegerator that sleek look with a Fisher Woodcraft tap handle. Fisher Woodcraft also offers hand-spun bowls, mugs, and more. Look them up online, www.fisherwoodcraft.com. That's www.fisherwoodcraft.com. Custom Graphics, located at 117 Washington Street in Newton, New Jersey, is your only source for signs, lettering, and large format vehicle wraps. Give them a call, 973-335-8141, or visit them on the web, customgraphicsnj.com. Custom Graphics, your source for everything lettering and large-scale printing. CustomGraphicsNJ.com. That's CustomGraphicsNJ.com. Your way, wise cold December Galway through those eyes. Men- 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there we go. I think I think we might have gotten our... The static, I think, was just overdrive. I think we might have been coming in a little too hot. So give us some feedback in the chat if you guys... Uh, that's a little better for you. There's that damn dryer again. Chris, you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have him figure out his air conditioning thing. Where does... I mean, we didn't even ask. Where's Chris live? Texas. Oh, that would explain the or need. he used to live there. I guess. That would explain there. the need for air conditioning. Although it's pretty friggin' hot down here. We could use some air conditioning down here tonight. Well, at least in this weather, you can just open the windows because yeah. a nice little breeze coming in. Yeah. Not too bad. I'm, How's that? That is much better. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure what a, my microphone must be just attuned to that frequency or something. Cause yeah, it's it was uh, the first time that thing kicked down, man. It just it overloaded everything and on our system. I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Super duper air conditioning. Yep. Well, we got you now, and uh, that sounds much better. And hopefully, uh, we're a little less staticky for everybody out there. I don't think it was actually static. I think it was just distortion because we're at eleven. <laughs> so what are, what are some of the um, sort of um, we talked about the mash trick and that's awesome I love that I'm going to have to listen back because we've been drinking some heavy duty beers tonight so I'm going to have to listen back and uh, figure out how to do that one but what, what are some of the other tips for brewing big beers and, and maybe we can uh, get into you had said uh, in your text to me about winter warmers uh Maybe some tips and tricks on them, or, you know, even if you have a recipe you want to throw out, that'd be cool, too. Yeah. Um, also, at our at our website, beerandwinejournal.com, there's a couple articles on the, the reiterated mashing, so you can check that out. Oh, perfect. Um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, other And, like, other big beer tips. Um, hang on. Let me see. I actually just wrote an article on that, too. I'm going to post uh, a link to that article in the chat right now for everybody. Perfect. Yeah, the like yeah, we've gone over um, making sure to pitch enough. That's that's really the big thing. Uh, aerating also works. There are some things you can do at the end of fermentation to help yourself out though too. Like in in a really big beer, you're going to need to work at the beginning of the fermentation to keep the fermentation temperature down in a reasonable region but once once fermentation has has gone past its peak and it started to slow down but hasn't yet quit that's a great time to let it free rise a little bit even even if you're looking for a clean beer without you know if you're not doing a belgian you're not doing you know a big sort of englishy you know fruity estery beer um letting your fermentation even if you're doing a lager letting your fermentation rise, the temperature rise at the end is going to speed the fermentation along. And by that point, the yeast really aren't going to be kicking out a lot of extra, a lot of extra esters. And you can, I mean, in, in the very big beers that really helps. And you can do this in conjunction again, in the very biggest beers with rousing the yeast, because a lot of times the yeast will, they'll ferment a lot. They'll, uh, you know they'll they'll want to drop out flocculate and go into you know sort of hibernation and what you can do is just take uh 
Uh, I usually do it with like, a racking cane, just sanitize a racking cane, uh, open up the carboy, and then just um, swirl around the tip in, in the, the yeast muck at the bottom and kick that up a little bit. And in the biggest fermentations, that'll kick it. Enough of those yeast cells will will suddenly, you know, they'll be back in the uh, uh, back in the beer and they'll kick back on and start fermenting a little bit more. So rousing your yeast and letting the temperature rise at the end are, are two things that in uh, you shouldn't have to do in, in sort of normal big beer fermentations. Like if you know seven or eight percent, you, you shouldn't have to worry about it. But once you start getting up into you know nine, ten, eleven, something in that range those uh those steps can help quite a bit and that yeah probably uh clean it up a little bit right towards the end yeah the uh one of the things that you you frequently hear from home brewers is that you know a big beer needs like you know uh, months and months and months of time to uh to you know sort of age and condition and all that and if you pitch enough yeast and you don't, um, and you leave the beer in contact with the yeast long enough, it really doesn't need an insane amount of time to condition. It shouldn't, if you if your fermentation is good, um, you know. And, and rousing the yeast actually helps a little bit to clean up the beer, uh, or you know, early on, but before, if you let it go for a while and then rouse the yeast, then you're gonna you might uh, be in the sort of set of conditions to, to have some. Uh, autolysis or autolysis or however people pronounce that differently um you know and get some of that burnt rubber smell but early on uh rousing the yeast getting them back in suspension is, is just going to help clean up the beer as well as ferment the last little bit okay how about like um something like a diacetyl rest do you have to do an extended diacetyl rest like if you were using a yeast strain that was sort of um, maybe like a ringwood or something like that that's sort of known for that if you wanted to do maybe like, I don't know, as an example, a double old thumper. Uh, oh, God. Like the butter beers. Would would you have to, because it's a bigger beer, would you have to extend the diacetyl rest or not so much? Or I, th- I think you would. I, I don't really have a lot of experience using some of the higher diacetyl producing yeast just because I, I, I don't really like that. Um, I mean, the... The fact that if, if you're producing a very big beer enough that you are raising, you know, letting the temperature raise at the end, that that in itself would help. Um, but uh, you know, I would guess that yeah, you would just need more law longer diacetyl rest. But I, I don't know that for a fact or from personal experience. Okay. We have a qu- another question from the chat, Chris. Um, what is your experience, if any, with the so-called olive oil trick for? aerating a big beer oh yeah I, i've never personally done that but I, i've heard of people doing it and uh the idea for people who don't know is that uh a couple years ago grady hall he's was a brewer or is brewer at a uh, new belgium he came up with the idea of adding uh olive oil to beer because it was rich in I forget what it is, like linoleic acid, or, or it, it's it's rich in some uh, some basically sterile precursor that in yeast uh, they take in the oxygen, they make that molecule. And Grady's idea was just why don't we just give the yeast that molecule that they want? And so the idea is like on a homebrew scale, you would add like the the tiniest drop possible of olive oil, like an unseen drop of mist size drop of olive oil, 
and that the, the yeast would feed off that instead of oxygen, you know, actual gas. And it apparently works great. I mean, it apparently works like to the point where if you put a normal size drop of olive oil in a in a homebrew size batch, it just you know the fermentation just goes nuts. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting idea, and I, I don't know where it is like commercially right now. I know that New Belgium at one point they scaled up and they tried an actual full size fermentation batch of uh, fat tire, I believe. And that it, at the time it came out okay, there was no, uh, you know, their taste panel didn't reject it. But I don't know if if anyone, they or anyone else is moving to that as a way of aeration or, uh, you know, I, I don't know where, where that stands right now. If, if the people have found some sort of hidden fault with it, it's just, you know, too, too weird for brewers to to want to do <laughs> right. you know it's, it seems odd purposely adding an oil to your beer because you know you're always thinking oil kills head retention we don't want that probably be good for reducing uh you know a super you know blowing out the airlock with a really frothy fermentation though i would imagine well, i would think also that the lipids are uh the, the the oil itself is probably something that the yeast use for cell walls and all that sort of thing so it may get taken up Especially if it's just a, a teeny tiny drop of it. Yeah, I guess it breaks down. So yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, by the end, um, even a tiny amount is going to be the yeast should have, you know, soaked all that up. But yeah, that, that's interesting. And uh, actually, it'd probably be probably be a good thing in a big beer fermentation, like a, a super big beer fermentation. Hit it with the normal oxygen, but then give it a little, you know, tiny drop of olive oil on top of it. You know. Yeah, I don't know that I'd, I. I must have heard about that in the past and just kind of forgotten about it. I didn't uh, didn't even think about it till uh, Mr. Farside in the uh, in the chat brought it up. Good question, thanks, man. I may have to try that when we do our uh, Russian Imperial Stout. I may need to just experiment and put a drop of olive oil in there and see what happens. Hmm. Yeah. Although I think the last time we did that beer. I think. Oh, I know. What's the OG on that beer? That I mean, I wasn't. In I the think club it was time, uh, eleven. I think it was like one point one. It was. It was huge. That's a yeah. That's a big. It one. It was a huge beer. I um, have to work on my mashing technique for that one to make sure I don't come up with a ten sixty again. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my other question too. Real quick, um, you know, you talked about the huge starters, and that's uh, we we definitely you know getting more yeast is our our end goal for sure. What about those of us that use dry yeast? Because I'm lazy and I don't typically do starters just because dry yeast is so much friggin' easier. You would just double the amount of dry yeast or, you know, any any ideas for that? I know most guys prefer liquid yeast, but I'm lazy and That's a good I question, man. Yeast. I was going to ask the same thing because I'm the same way. Yeah, no, dry yeast is great. I mean, you uh, for, for like cell count per cost, it, it's very, it, you know, it's a lot cheaper than liquid yeast. And if you could find, you know, the one of the big benefits of liquid yeast is that they have, you know, every, not every strain available, but, you know, just tons and tons of strains where there's, there's less selection in dried yeast. But if you find a yeast strain you want, yeah, it's great. Cause, and you can certainly just, yeah, if it's a big beer, just pitch two, pa- two packets of yeast rather than one. Or if it's a super big beer, pitch three. You know, um, if you go to, uh, like, uh, MrMalty.com, they, it'll tell you like how many grams to pitch for you know you'll set the 
what what the gravity of your beer is, how many gallons of it, and it'll tell you, you know, you could either how how big of a yeast starter to make for liquid yeast or how many grams of uh, of dried yeast to use. So, yeah, okay, definitely dried yeast is. And another trick that you can do is if you've if you've got a yeast like a liquid yeast that you like, and you just need to boost the pitching rate in general of your beer, uh, and this works most of the time. Uh, I won't swear it works every time, but you can pitch whatever whatever liquid yeast you have, and then just use a clean dry yeast as a, like a pitch count booster, because whatever flavors the, uh, the 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 liquid yeast you have will kick off. They'll still kick those off, but you'll you'll just take the neutral yeast fermenting alongside it, and um, you'll you'll still get. I, I've done that before with like uh, wheat beer yeasts where I've pitched half. Uh, the, the sort of wheat beer strain with the bananas and the cloves and all that, and half 1056, and it still ends up taste, tasting like a wheat beer because the you know the wheat beer flavors just mask the neutral. Gotcha. Yeah, we had some uh, some people going back and forth with dry yeasts in the chat. The uh, mangrove jacks, have you tried that yet, Chris? I think they're I in New no. Zealand. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's uh, they have some pretty nice strains. They have uh, West Coast Ale strain. They I just have pulled it up here. They got Bavarian wheat. There's a Belgian Bohemian Lager, a British ale, and one they call Burton Union, which I must be like Bass. Marston's or something. I don't know. A crap. They've got a, a a cider yeast, a Newcastle dark ale, U.S. West Coast. That's got to be your USO five or you you know yeah, Cal uh, and one called Workhorse, which I'm not sure what the hell that is, but looks pretty neat yeah the beer we fermented with the fresh hops that we found we used the uh, west coast in and then my wife used their uh, english ale before and it's that's a nice yeast i like it i'm impressed with it so far where'd you get them where'd you get them from warren has them now oh he does no okay, way cool. yeah all right yeah he just got them. excellent yeah he just got them i gotta go shopping <laughs> yes absolutely i'll uh, i'll show you when we take our next break i have some i have some packets of it in the uh, in the freezer and I want I want you guys at some point to smell those hops and see what you're thinking about. I'm trying to decipher what the hell I'm getting out of. It. I got almost like mint and kiwi and like I'm trying to figure out what those those funky wild hops you found. Have no yeah, I have no idea what strain it is. And I was asking my buddy um, Chris. Uh, I had found a wild hop vine growing recently, so you know what I'm talking about at my buddy's house, and it it was about 50 feet tall. The vine. Wow. I've been to his house for years and never noticed it. And then a couple of <laughs> couple of weeks ago, we were talking. I'm looking over his shoulder, and he's like, what are you looking at? I'm like, it's like, oh, you're looking at the grapes? I'm like, I don't think those are grapes. And I got closer. I'm like, that's hops, dude. <laughs> and uh, we pulled the vine down and uh, harvested a bunch of hops. A lot of them were dried on the vine already. We were a little late. But uh, they're really interesting smelling. And I was asking him, I said, hey, do you know how old your house is? You know how old the property is? He's like, eh. The house has been here about 100 years, so I'm like, hmm, who knows what the hell this could be. But he didn't plant them, so who knows how long they've been there or what strain they are. We're calling them Page 174 because his last name's Page. So we, we have no idea what they are, no idea what the alphas are, but we're going to taste that beer hopefully within a week or so and see. I only, I just did a basic uh, pale ale recipe. 100-year-old house, wondering if maybe pro- planted them during Prohibition. Maybe. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. I have no That's idea. a good story. We're sticking with that one. Yeah, no, <laughs> no idea what they are, but I know at the bottom of the vine it was probably as big around as as my thumb, maybe even bigger. It was 
the biggest hop vine I've ever seen in my life. It was cool. Wow. Yeah, that that's interesting. Did the uh, did you look? Did the cones have like seeds in them? Were there were the male hop plants around, or was this strictly a, a female plant? You know, and that's funny you say that because as I was drying some of the wetter ones out on on my uh, window screen in the uh, dining room, when I picked the screen up and I was wiping the table off and I looked at the paper towel, there was obviously a lot of lupulin in there, a lot of yellow, but there there was stuff in there that maybe could have been seeds i'm not sure how big is a hop seed i don't know tiny i would imagine tiny yeah, yeah. they're a little bitty but they uh, they'll be inside the uh, the bracts of the cones if there's a male around yeah the cones themselves are obviously that's a female plant but if there's seeds there there might be a male plant somewhere around oh okay interesting bigger or smaller than a poppy seed then smaller smaller wow they're, yeah i would say smaller they're tiny yeah i've never actually seen one because they're i mean normally Yep. So it, it looked like there could have been something that may have been a seed, or maybe just giant chunks of lupulin. <laughs> I I don't know, but I was wondering about that as I was looking at. It. I'm like, hmm, are these seeds? So I wound up shaking that paper towel outside and hoping that I get some new growth. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be trying up here soon. I'll uh I'll send you a bottle. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, it's the the unknown hop. <laughs> What else? What do we have? Do we have any more questions here in the chat? Doesn't look like it. All right, so winter warmers. Let's talk about them a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, winter warmer. You know, basically, this is a great time to brew it right now. Gives you a little bit of time to... A uh, little time to mellow out. Uh, a lot of winter warmers are spiced, so it gives time for the, the spices to melt. And... Yeah, anyway, on, on Beer and Wine Journal, I recently uh, I posted two articles on it. One on just brewing the different kind of base beers you can, you know, the uh, you know just the, the beer itself. Um, a second article on, like, spicing recommendations. And then I put a recipe for uh, my sort of winter warmer, which is, uh, it's like a dark... Uh, dark beer. It's got about, for five, for five gallons, about 11 ounces of a Chocolate malt in it, about uh, original gravity 86. Let me look it up. 83, 1083, and then I uh, spice it, quote unquote, with uh, aquavit, which is Whoa. a uh, Scandinavian liquor uh, spiced with caraway seeds. And so I, I dump in about um, a little over a pint of that into five gallons, and it gives the beer. Uh, a little bit of a caraway flavor, which is kind of a little like anise or licorice or, or those kind of things, and uh, sort of the, the the mixture of the chocolate and that are pretty good, and the uh, and the extra alcohol kicks it up from it, w- it would normally be like a eight percent alcohol beer to a nine percent alcohol beer. That sounds good. Have you uh, have you messed around with any spruce? I haven't. You know for. For someone of Scandinavian descent, you would think that I would brew like spruce beers uh, all the time. And I actually have a, a friend in my homebrewing club who, who's brewed a lot with spruce, but I, I haven't personally. Okay. Yeah, one of our listeners, uh, Wise Ass, he sent us spruce beer that he didn't use any hops at all, and I was blown away. Like, he just bittered with spruce, spruce tips, and... I was completely blown away by this beer. I was like, man, you didn't use any hops? Nope. 
all spruce and it's a delicious it's a christmas tree in a bottle don't get me wrong but it, it's a fantastic beer you know the spruce is definitely evident <laughs> <laughs> but i was amazed at uh at the bittering he got out of it that that really blew me away yeah i've got it's interesting i've got this uh or i don't I, i've got the pdf of an of a old old uh norwegian brewing text and like old sort of farmhouse breweries they used to use layers of spruce as the uh, false bottom in the in the bottom of their louder ton. It was the, the filtering thing that they filtered their mash through. So um, I've always sort of you know a nice woodworking project combined with some you know Scandinavianness uh, would be to build you know build a mash tun and then actually do filter your filter your wort through through the spruce browse. Scandinavianness. That's a new word. <laughs> Scandinavianosity. <laughs> Scandinavianosity. Nice. Wow. <laughs> we had a question in the chat, and I don't know if you know this, if about uh, shelf life if you're bittering with spruce. Is it more or less than with hops, or? I oh man, don't I don't know, know. Danny. That's if I don't know if Wisez is still in the chat, but he may be the guy to answer that question because I haven't seen him in a bit. Oh so okay. I don't know. Yeah, I'll I'll see if I can reach out to Wisez, maybe get an answer on that. But hopefully he still has some of that left because I'd love to have him send us more because that was a, just a great beer. Um, we have another question: Is a winter warmer much different than a pumpkin ale, just more malty? I I, I think winter warmer is sort of an umbrella term, no? Yeah, it can winter warmers run the run the gamut. In in the article that I they put on a beer and wine journal, I I, I mentioned several of the more popular types well three of the more popular types there's the uh there's a sort of roasty chocolatey type that you know um uh, that's pretty popular there's also the sort of big chewy uh crystal malty one like uh what is it widner widmer brothers burr or whatever i don't know if you guys get that beer out there i haven't that's seen a, that that's one. just like that's just like a big big chewy chunk of uh caramel malt and there are other ones like uh uh is it Avery that does Old Jubilation? Yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm sure that's right. That, that, that's more of a big, sort of like an old ale with a lot of the biscuity uh, flavor. And, you know, so, uh, I mean, a winter warmer can be just about anything. And then um, on top of that, you know, some of them are spiced, and, you know, a lot of them aren't. But if you sort of match the spicing to the, the style of your base beer, you know, you could potentially make something pretty good. So, Chris, how, how would you classify Sierra Nevada celebration? Oops, I can't hear you. So how, I was going to say, how would you classify um, Thank you. Um, Sierra Nevada's celebration? Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Yeah, so Sierra Nevada celebration is, is offered as a seasonal, so, I mean, you could call it a winter warmer if you wanted to. Yeah, because, I mean, I really don't... I mean, it's hoppy, but it's more bitter than it is. You don't really get the hop flavor. You just get a big wall of bitter with a lot of, uh, with a lot more malt than their typical offerings. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of. I mean, I, th- I think of it sort of as uh, a fairly chewy IPA. It's you know relatively dark. It's got quite a bit of crystal malt. It, it doesn't have. I mean, back in the day, it used to be like you'd drink it and you're like, oh my god, this is the hoppiest thing I've ever had. And you know nowadays, you know in the in the post Pliny era, you know like eh, I can taste some hops in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, for me it really is. Like I said, it's more morally 
more just the bitter than the actual hop flavor. It's just like, holy shit, this is really bitter. I'm actually not a fan of it. It kind of like reminds me of like what I imagine licking an ashtray must be like. <laughs> and I'm a pretty big Sierra Nevada fan, so it's kind of, uh, I don't know. Uh, I've always I've always loved it. I mean, when you, I've had bad bottles of it like that have been stored too long, but when you get it fresh, it's, it's awesome, I, yeah. I think. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, we need to uh, get closer to the source. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've got that whole uh, distribution well, chain from here to uh, Chico. They're working on it. Yeah. Definitely. So. Aren't they opening a plant in North Carolina? Yes, I believe yeah. it's Asheville. Nice. So that should really help out the East Coast distribution. And New Belgium is coming uh, east too, right? Sa- yeah, I think the same area. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Oh, I can't wait for that. I just hope that their distribution comes to Jersey because I lawfully I know it's a beginner sour beer, but I love it. It's just an awesome, easygoing sour beer. You don't have to think about it. It's like for you know, me, that's almost like a lawnmower beer. They're yeah, lawfully nothing, nothing wrong with that. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it, just because it's a beginner doesn't mean you can't like it. Yeah, you know. You know, and and I'm not one to suck down like a Rodenbach Grand Cru because to me it tastes like vinegar. It's just oh way yeah, I told you guys that sour. story. I bought a big bottle of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Christmas Eve, and uh, I couldn't get anyone else to drink it. And I'm like, fuck! I paid like twelve bucks for this thing. I'm drinking it, so I I drank almost the whole thing myself. Oh man, I shit sideways for like four days. It ruined me. I'm never drinking that again. It was terrible. Yeah, it's that's a little maybe too on the sour side for me. Yeah, I'm the regular Rodenbach is good. The regular later Flemish Red or whatever it is, it's fantastic. But the Grand Cru is just, <laughs> woo. Yeah, a little too much for me. A little too acidic. And I like a sour beer, but that was just a little too much for me. That would be interesting to do um, to do some high gravity sours. We got the barrel. Be for intense, it. yeah. Yeah, we do. We brewed a, a Flanders Red couple years ago and it only wound up being like four and a half percent but we're thinking about ramping it up this year so i may take some of your tips and maybe try and make that thing like an eight or nine percent since it's going to sit in a barrel for a year anyway that could be interesting yeah that'd be that'd be a little weird but (laughs) my work (laughs) have you have you ever played around with any sour beers and on the on on the bigger note like have you ever I guess, is it the same, you know, pitching rate for a sour type of yeast? You know, they, they work generally the same way, right? Um, I usually tended to underpitch my sour beers. I, I went through, like, I had four or five years where every year I'd brew 15 gallons of uh, sour beer and I had in three different buckets. And then the next year I'd brew and I'd have three more buckets and I would use one of the buckets from the previous year as a blender for the next one. And so I had a couple of years where I was in a row where I, ha- where I would have one, two, and three-year-old sour beer that I would blend into it like a sort of a goose. And uh, I always used to underpitch for sour beers with the idea of let them finish a little bit high and then let the, uh, let the uh, bacteria take over and have more to, more, uh, you know, essentially more sugar for the bacteria to turn into a sourness. It's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I didn't terrifically underpitch, but usually about maybe a quarter of what the recommendation for the pitching rate would be, so the yeast would have to go through two two cycles of growth before they hit 
you know what the normal pitching rate would be. That makes sense. And then let the bugs chew it down. Yeah, because I used um, nowadays I'd probably just throw in the bacteria at the same time. But at at the time I had this whole idea that I was doing things very methodically and. I would pitch the yeast first and let it mostly ferment out, and then then add the bacteria. And um, so I, I wanted to make sure that the you know all the fermentable carbohydrates were you know taken up by the yeast. And so I pitched a little bit higher. That that will be uh, that's actually a really good tip for our next bout because we're gonna we're gearing up to do that Flanders red again and put it in the barrel. And the last time we did it, everybody you know fermented at home and then we dumped it in the barrel. With uh, sour yeast in the barrel, we use the uh, Rosalaire blend. So that may be a good uh, tip for us that if we underpitch our primary ferments and then throw it in the barrel, because it was an amazing beer, but the one problem I had, one, it was such a low ABV, and we left it in the barrel for a year or so. The bugs, it was extremely dry. I mean, there was nothing left to this thing. The bugs just chewed it all up. So I think that may help us maybe if we underpitch, leave a little sugar in there and maybe we'll have a little more residual sweetness as an end product yeah that that might be i've always wanted to try a berliner vice um james spencer the the other guy who i work with on uh the beer and wine journal he did a he did a berliner vice recently where he did the sour mash version of it and uh it actually someone tasted it the, the brewer at a local brew pub and he ended up brewing a like a sour mash berliner vice uh, there, but I've always wanted to do the the regular like just culture up a bunch of lacto, and because um, they make the way they make modern day Berliner Weisses um, is it's a low gravity wort, and they pitch the uh, they pitch the yeast, and I can't remember if they pitch the bacteria at the same time or later, or or what, but they pitch like a ton of bacteria. They 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 ferment it down and make it really sour really fast and bottle it like on the normal at least roughly on the normal scale that you would do an ale, not like the super long, you know, souring uh, process that a lambic is. And so I've always wanted to sort of do that, just grow up this huge, huge, like a uh, starter of, of lacto and, you know, turn a beer sour, you know, like in a week. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, because ours took a long time to get sour. That, that was a really, time. really good beer, though. Yeah. I was amazed at how how to style that was. It was perfect. Yeah, it was a really. I'm, yeah. I'm thr- I was thrilled with that beer overall. I think overall. some of us fermented with the. I think I, at least I did. But we had the Rosalaire blend with the, the Rosalaire, right? Yeah, and then some others. some did, some didn't. Yeah, and so and it ended up being a blend of that. It took yeah. a while to sour. You were right, but uh, it it was it was really. Oh, good. it was a great beer. I'm I'm sad that it's gone, and I can't wait to refill that barrel. So I guess um what we'll do is uh, we'll let Forrest. You have some announcements, right? Holy! I think Chris just fell out of his chair. No, <laughs> it's just a cat fight. Oh, nice! <laughs> that only sounded like two. You, you could actually run a cat fighting ring with, uh, with the quantity you have. Illegal cat fighting ring. <laughs> that would be awesome. ESPN. Yeah, the, the quantity is the problem. The, the fact that they're all lazy is the problem. Would cat cat fighting would be very boring. <laughs> It's like right in the middle, one of them like takes a break and licks his ass. <laughs> right. So uh, we'll we'll do some announcements and take another break, and then we'll come back and wrap it up. Are you, Chris? Sound good? Sounds good. All right, brother. You mean rocking now? Yeah, man. All right. Yeah, I love when I give intro music. 
All right, so there's a lot of stuff going on in uh, October. It's a really busy month. So on the 5th, there are, I don't know how many BJCP certified competitions. I picked out the five or six that sounded most interesting. Um, out in Cali, there's the Mother Earth Rhythm and Brews homebrew competition, which sounds pretty cool. It's in Vista. Uh, right outside Arizona in Scottsdale, you have the Arizona Society of Homebrewers Home Oktoberfest competition. In Yakima, you've got the Fresh Hop Ale Festival, which sounds really, really kick-ass. Yeah, that does, actually. I, I, uh, I missed Warren's Fresh Hop uh, Brew Day this year. And, and that was fun. That. I was actually there for that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's the uh, Ale Riders Homebrew Competition in Rapid City, South Dakota. I wanted to give them a little bit of love because I'm sure South Dakota gets overlooked on just about everything. And uh, there's... Down under, there's the Vic Brew Victorian Amateur Brewing Championship in Melbourne, just in case, or Melbourne, Australia, just in case you're down there uh, or listening to this while there. So, let's see, on the 6th, there's the Big Muddy sponsored Monster Homebrew Competition. I don't know if you, Jay, you've had a couple of Big Muddy beers. You guys, are, those are out, they're out here now. Um, that's in Mur- Murfreesboro, Illinois. Uh, they're also doing a monster beer festival in November, so uh, if you're in Illinois, I would check that out. Uh, a little bit closer to us in Farmington, PA, on October 12th, which is a Saturday, there's the Nemacolin Woodlands Resort Rocktoberfest, which is live music and craft beer festival. Nice. Can't go wrong there. Right. Out in Fort Greene in Brooklyn on the 12th also is the Brooklyn Poor, P-O-U-R, Craft Beer Festival. Uh, and then the day after, if you're uh, down in Maryland, there's the Good Beer Festival Homebrew Competition in Salisbury. And this is a big one, Chris. You'll probably probably know about this. Um, the Dixie Cup Dixie Cup 30 in Houston is October 17th. They've had a homebrew competition for 30 years. Wow. And yeah, um, my te- wife and I are going to that. Awesome. Yeah. And Texas takes homebrew like they everything else really fucking serious. Really big. Right. And this is like um, stage 17 of 30 or whatever out of the um, homebrewer of the year for Texas. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but there's a whole lot to it. Um, there's a bunch of rounds and you accumulate. It's almost like NASCAR. Like you have to, you get points every time you win something and, you know, they crown a grand champion or whatever. I'm sure Chris could probably tell us all about that. Yeah, there's the Lone Star Circuit, which yeah, is so, uh, right. bas- basically all the... Uh, all the homebrew contests in uh, Texas that are BJCC, BJCP certified. So basically everything but my clubs uh, right. <laughs> contest. And because uh, we're, we're sort of the renegade contest. And uh, anyway, yeah, they, you win points for every every medal you get. And at the end of the year, they have you know the, the brewer of the year, the club of the year, that kind of stuff. Awesome. That is so cool. Does the B... Does the BN win that one every year, too? No. Oh, good. <laughs> Just saying. All right. <laughs> and you know what's hardcore about the Dixie Cup? It's on a fucking Thursday. That's how hardcore it is. Like, fuck it, we're it's not even Texas, doing the weekend. Dude, it doesn't yeah, matter. That's, that's right. We don't care. Yeah, it runs a couple days, though. It runs through the weekend. All right. That's awesome. It starts on a Thursday. <laughs> right. And this year, since it's 30, it's Dixie Cup Triple X. Right. Exactly. So it's... Uh, yeah, there's there's going to be some things that you can won't be able to unsee at that uh, <laughs> beer festival. Nice. <laughs> so Saturday, October nineteenth, uh, 
is the 8th Annual New England Regional Homebrew Competition. That's in Nashua, New Hampshire. Also that day, uh, a little closer to us, is the Philly Homebrew Club Fall Ales Competition, which should be pretty cool. And same day also, uh, the Hunter Mountain Microbrew and Wine Fest is in Hunter Mountain, New York, which is where Mountain Jam is. Which so it's actually on on the um, site of the um, the where the ski you know it's in the actual ski lodge where, awesome. where they're doing it. It's a really cool venue. Highly recommend. It's only uh, from here. It's maybe three hour drive. Totally doable. And this is the thing I really want us to go to. Same day, Saturday, October 19th, there is the, uh, in Harmony Township. Which is really close. Three miles down the road. Right. There is the Pumpkin Sling. They're doing their own version of the Pumpkin Chunkin'. <laughs> the only the only problem with that is I don't think we have enough time to build the trebuchet. Well, we don't, we can't, we're not going to compete. We're just going to go get drunk and laugh at people to compete. Okay. <laughs> but it's the, it's that a, sounds like a lot of fun anyway. Right. So it's a New Jersey style Pumpkin Chunkin'. And there's a chili and beer competition to go with it. So, and basically, you show up and you buy tickets, um, like six packs of tickets, and each ticket gets you a, you know, a bowl of chili or a beer from, you know, one. You get to sample the homebrew, and I think there's going to be some crap beers there too. So that should be pretty kick-ass. And if you want to actually get in on that, if you got some beers, you can submit. The deadline's not till October 12th. So if you got something already in the bottle, you you're set. You can definitely get in on that. So so wait a second. You go there. Eat chili, drink beer, and watch pumpkins fly and crash. Yes, that sounds pretty. It good. sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like and it's like it's like stumbling distance from here. You know, <laughs> yeah, it is. You could probably ride a bike back, like <laughs> wow, wobbly. <laughs> um, the next weekend on the twenty sixth is um, it's called Hops Bops, which is it's the, Bops is the best of Philly, and Hops is their home brewers of Philadelphia and suburbs. That's the club. And it's a competition at at the Nodding Head Brew Pub in Philly, which is really really kick ass place if you've never been. And the Nodding Head Brewers are going to pick one of the entries from Best in Show, and they will co brew it with you at at the brew pub there. And they do really really good stuff. Nice, a little pro am. So right, so right. you actually get you get a chance to uh, to get get your stuff brewed, which would be pretty cool. And the last thing is um, Saturday, November second, is the AHA Learn to Homebrew Day, where you know you host your own event and try to. That's right. It's not the same. I, I don't know if that's the same thing as Teach a Friend to Homebrew Day. I, don't I think know. so. I think is, it is that what they're calling now? Yeah. They're calling it Learn to Homebrew Day. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I think it's the same thing. But that's that's when we're going to be brewing the uh, Flanders Red, from what I know. Right. Right. Okay. So that's what we're we doing again for the for the barrel this year. Yes. So what and about that risk? Then hearing we have to swell that barrel. Oh, okay. So second the barrel. Barrels dried out. We have to swell right. it and hope that it holds water, or at least beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean, give a shit if it holds water. It's got to hold beer. Well, we got to make it to hold water first, and then, <laughs> right. and then hold beer. Okay, so that's kind of it for October. That's about all I had. Um, cool. We want to go no, too far awesome. in advance. We'll do another one next time. Yeah, absolutely. That's but, great. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of stuff going on in October all across the country. Yep. So I, I think this is when, you know, for me personally anyway, this is sort of when I get back into my brewing stride because it's getting cooler out. And, you know, once hopefully cheerleading will be over soon with my daughter within the next few weeks. So this is when I, I start to brew a little bit, which is good. And the winter parties and we got to plan all that stuff. So it's a good time of year. 
I hate brewing, and when it's you know 90 degrees out, I just I don't. You can't do it. chill anything. Yeah, I don't do it. Plus, basically everything you brew turns into a saison. Anyhow, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> Doesn't fucking yeah, matter. If you, if you want to try one, I have one on tap over there. All right. <laughs> the uh, what should have been an IPA turned wrong. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's exactly why I did uh, did the article for Chris and um, Beer and Wine Journal on high temp brewing. I'm a master of that shit because. I always come up with a great idea in, like, July. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have a dedicated space that I can chill, you know, specifically. So I sort of learned how to deal with the high temps and figure out which yeast work better and, you know, how to to deal with the weird flavors you get and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, this is what I've got, and either I can complain about it or I can figure out you know what, what goes yeah. and pretty much that was Warren and I were joking about that too like anytime you fuck something oh it's a saison yeah, <laughs> yeah it's supposed to taste like that <laughs> exactly well, that, that whole Puerto Rico thing that I'm getting ready to do it's uh that was a timely article because uh it's always hot. That's right. You're just going to have to get a <laughs> fridge for that. Remember, right? It'll be hot. You're not going to make it any lagers down there. No. Yep. <laughs> They're making a lot of saisons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here's my brown ale saison. It's awesome. <laughs> Check go. out this porter saison. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So what else for Big Brewing? Anything we didn't cover? Uh, we didn't really talk about Belgians at all, and those are pretty... But the, those aren't, like, super big usually, so maybe that's in the category. Chris, what what is your favorite Belgian, or are you a fan? Oh, no, I love Belgians. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I... I'm sort of a, a sucker for West Mall Trippa or West Mall Triple. Yeah. Because I, I actually got to tour that brewery um, when I was over there. So, um, but man, there's a lot of good Belgian beers. But West Mall is probably my favorite. Yeah, they make good stuff. Um, I'm a fan of. Uh, I you know I tend to I find that I I kind of like the non Trappist stuff better for some reason. I don't know if it's a little funky or a little out there. They're not quite as fixed on the on the recipe and the routine. I think that, you know, the Trappists don't want to deviate because everyone's so tuned into what they're doing. They want to keep the tradition going. But, you know, I, I tend to like the non-Trappist stuff. I don't know why that is. It just, the Trappist ones to me seem very conventional by comparison. Maybe that's what it is. Except for, like, you know, Orval. That's just its own. That's Trappist, right? Or no? Yeah, Orval. Yeah. yeah. That's, I like the funky stuff, the weird shit. Yeah. Little. Yeah, little- I like, uh, um, I also I love stuff from Canyon. Uh, all their sours are just fantastic. Right. Um, yeah, and a, a nice thing about Belgium is just that every brewer there, every brewery, they just make a bunch of beers, and they don't. I mean, there's 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 a little bit of trying to copy each other. You know, there's there's a lot of sort of uh, Duval esque beers there. You know, like the Belgian Golden, and you know uh, there are a lot of Duvals triples or whatever. But a lot of breweries there, instead of you know trying to brew pale ale porter you know all these recognized beer styles they just i'm just going to make a beer you know that it's just just the brand you know name that i come up with it and it's not going to be you know it's not going to fall into any category it's just going to be the beer that it's going to be and uh you know so it's fun going there i mean it's hard talking to people and say well what kind of what 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 is this beer like and you know the the bartender says, well, it's like what it is, you know, uh, but, um, you know, it's just interesting. The, 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 the variety of beer over there. Yeah. I would love to, 
I haven't been to Belgium, and I would love to go. Exactly. I think I would probably never come back. I would just die. I would just have liver failure right there. Right. You'd you'd go to beer heaven and just lay down and. Or die. I'd be in Belgian prison. Right. Whatever that's like. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kinky. There's there's actually uh, we had Larry Porter on the show fuck a year and a half ago, but he does a Belgium trip every year, and it, I tell you, it's not that bad. I think it was somewhere in the tune of fifteen to seventeen hundred dollars, all inclusive. Wow. That's wow. not bad at all. Because he gets enough people that, yeah. And it, so we we may need to sign on to that. My my goal is I'm on the five year plan. <laughs> I figure within five years I want to be able to do it because life's too short and we we have to do it. I bet there's good beers even in Belgian prison. Probably. They would be. Would you like the Duval tonight or the Orval? Well, right. It's right. probably like uh, you know in prison you only get like two waffles a day. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like prison in Maine, you know, they're all complaining. Oh, lobster again? <laughs> meanwhile, I'm so sick of this lobster roll, it's terrible. Meanwhile, the rest of us, like, you know, go out of our way to get real fresh Maine lobster, and trust me, I've done it, and it's amazing. <laughs> we camped up in Maine, and uh, we just stopped at a little roadside lobster place, and uh, I forget what it was, but it was just a stupid cheap amount. I think it was like a dollar a pound or whatever it was. And, uh, well, you get them right off the boats or right at the docks. and they're just, yep. Especially if you go and find the docks and you get the ones that, like, um, I forget what they call them, but they're the usually the ones with, like, one claw. So they're not they're really the commercially viable ones. They can't sell them to the, the big fishmongers and whatnot. You get the, the gimpy lobster? Yeah, the gimpy lobster. But they'll steam them right there and just, you know, you buy them for a dollar or two and then you've got fresh lobster right there yeah man although i gotta oh, say the best looks ones like i've Wifey had brought was, us uh, beer what'd you bring us it didn't carb what is it the bottle cap says ipa ipa no no it doesn't look like a carb too good mm-hmm. it's tasty though no it's yeah tasty. tastes like a pillow that's yeah. our uh that's our homegrown cascades Ooh, nice, Ooh, nice. Eh. stereo huh carb <laughs> drops <laughs> Oh, well. Would you use tabs in those? Yeah, the little carb tabs. Yeah, I've never used that, actually. Actually, we've had really good luck with them, but apparently that bottle just... It may have been a leaky cap. Leaky cap, yeah. Yep. Still a good beer, though. Tasty. And that was only, like, the second beer she ever brewed. She's brewing better beer than me. She's brewed, like, four batches, and I've been brewing for three years, and she brews better than me. It makes me sick. It really does. (laughs) I've been brewing more than three years. All right, maybe four or five years. I was like three years ago when we started doing this. You've been brewing for three years. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, but be four or five because you started the club in two thousand nine, right? Yeah, something like that. She's she's brews good beer already. It makes me sick. (laughs) What else? I think uh, trying to think of anything else like that's plagued us with big beers or any uh, issues we've had with big beers. Trying to think. Uh, I mean, fermentation is the big thing. Uh, there can be some issues on generating wort, uh, you know, especially if you don't have a, a large enough mash ton. But yeah, it's usually fermentation that, that throws people. And yeah, I think we've covered pretty much everything. So just pitch, pitch, pitch. We'll go to yeah, me, Mr. Mal- Malty. Yeast. Yep. And second, and, and do a second hit of O2. Yeah. Yep. That's a good. That's a good uh, tip. I like the the double mashing technique to up the gravity. That's 
that that's a really good idea because I was really disappointed the last time we did the barrel that I could only brew five gallons of the IRS or IRS, yeah, of the RIS because <laughs> that's all I could fit in my and that thing like when I say my mash tun was full, like there was <laughs> you had a meniscus over. Oh <laughs> yeah, there was a meniscus on the top and it, it was I mean full like there I couldn't have possibly fit anything else in there. I was like oh shit. Hey, we have a question in the chat. Um, about uh, are there any particular adjuncts that go good in big beers, or on the other hand, anything that would tend to suck the sugars out? Um, I don't know. I, I I don't think there's anything that I would say is particularly bad or good. You know, it just depends on what recipe you want. Yeah, um, yeah I can't I can't think of anything. Because yeah, I know that the uh, like a good Belgian triple will always have the candy sugar in it to kind of boost gravity. So yeah. Well, I imagine yeah, if a nice thing about adding sugar to a very big beer, just plain old 100%, you know, like cane sugar or corn sugar, is that it boosts the, the original gravity, but since it's completely fermentable, you, your final gravity is a lot lower, so you end up with a, a drier beer, and, and it's not as, as sickly sweet. Depends on that what you're true. looking for at the end, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, I've added uh, just plain old table sugar to several beers, and it, you know, no... It used to be the old myth too, homebrew myth that it tasted cidery or whiny if you added like table sugar. But I, I have not found that to be true at all. No, right. depend- yeah, it, that's it, just wrong. It may depend on the proportion though. I don't know, man. <laughs> I made a triple with a lot and it tasted fine. I think it's just um, shitty yeast and under pitching that probably caused that flavor or extract that's past its date. Yep. And people just said, oh, well, I added sugar, and this one sucked. It must be the sugar. And yep. I don't think that was it. I think the only time I ever had like a cidery, acetaldehyde kind of kick was one of the first beers I ever brewed was a Mr. Beer Kit. And I think, like you said, it was expired uh, malt extract, number one. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing at all. Uh, I probably way underpitched with yeast that was probably long expired. And you know knew nothing about fermentation, and that beer literally was apple cider, and you had you had to add sugar in the recipe, and it just it was awful. But uh, I haven't experimented with it since then. I do know that the last uh, was it like two or three beers that I brewed ago, I was way low on my uh, gravity, so I added some brown sugar, and that that may have adversely affected the beer, but it definitely not a cider flavor for sure no you get some residual um whatever the hell's in there molasses or something yeah, yeah it's probably molasses you get that kind of flavor and it does actually yeah. it will kind of yep. change the flavor a little bit and, and and i mean i um there was one recipe i did that actually asked it, it was the 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 carb sugar was actually molasses and it added a kind of funky taste to it okay weird very good. Well, any uh, any last parting words, Chris? And uh, give us your website again so all of our listeners can uh, look you up. Yeah, it's uh, beerandwinejournal.com. It's the website. And we also have a, a Facebook page, and we're also on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, about the only other thing I would say is, uh, and, I mean, this is kind of obvious, that when you're trying to make a big beer, uh, getting your extract efficiency as high as possible is always a good thing. So... Uh, maybe crush a little finer, uh, stir your mash, you know, a few extra times, and um, even just letting the mash go a little bit longer will sometimes boost the, uh, not not sometimes, all the time, uh, will boost your efficiency a little bit. 
and uh, that's about it. Pitch a lot of yeast. Yeast? <laughs> Actually, I have a quick question. You said letting the mash go a little longer would boost your efficiency. Yeah, this gives it gives the starches extra time to dissolve. It gives the enzymes extra time to. Uh, well, that starches extra time to dissolve is, is why it boosts the extract efficiency. But then it also gives extra time for the uh, uh, enzymes to act, which is doesn't have anything to do with efficiency, but uh, has to do with fermentability. Even even with how highly modified all the malts are today, that that definitely does still make a difference. Yeah, time matters. Okay. Definitely. Okay. I mean, it's it's um if you if you look at like commercial breweries, their mashes are stirred continually. And for, for them to go a little bit longer probably isn't going to make that big of a difference because they've had the, the stirring constantly. Uh, a lot of home homebrew mashes, uh, people either don't stir or they, you know, it's intermittent. Uh, so generally, yeah, going a little longer. If you're if you're shooting for a high extract efficiency, going a little longer, you know, tack an extra half hour onto your mash, and that is going to help a little bit. Okay. And maybe uh, in... Also, in conjunction with that, maybe think about, if you can, you know, unless, of course, you know, well, where you live, I don't think you have to worry about it. But up here in the Northeast, you know, you don't want to keep opening your mash ton. But maybe if you can, without losing too much temp, you know, think about stirring it. Or if you have a a direct fired mash ton, stir it more often and you'll get a better efficiency as well, right? Yeah, definitely stirring helps. And, yeah, if 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 you can't heat your mash ton direct and you're in a cold climate that's that's a disadvantage because you you know every time you open it up you lose temperature but if you can stir it uh or, or you can heat it directly that that's a good idea but even with the cooler mash tons maybe if you had a herms or a rims or something like that where you can kind of like pull and recirculate, recirculate it, yeah yeah yeah, small but, heating element just to keep everything up. From what I know the uh, the recirculating mash is really they they add quite a bit to efficiency. You can even do the uh, impromptu uh, decoction mash. Yes. If you're stirring, <laughs> right. you need to pull some out, boil it, put it back in. Fuck yes. <laughs> Done that a lot. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Well, thanks for hanging with us, Chris, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you. Are you going to uh, Michigan? I don't know. Probably not. Okay. I would like to, but I don't think it's in the cards this year. I got gotcha. you. Well, hopefully uh, we're we're gearing up to go out there, and uh, hopefully we can hook up between now and then at some point, and uh, at some festival <laughs> or beer hey, event. Do you, do you guys still do the metal podcast? We, you know, <laughs> it's funny you say that because my neighbor's been busting my balls. Um, we haven't in a very long time because we lost one of our podcasters. Uh, he now does a Celtic podcast, which is great, um, but. He sort of, that's his new baby, so we lost him, but we're thinking about getting a new guy on who's more into the uh, hardcore uh, scene and a little more punk, so it could add a cool element to it. We are thinking about doing one before the winter here, and we we may start doing it, not really regularly, but we, we've missed it, and we've been talking about it for a while, so we may, uh, we may throw one out for you. Do you guys ever, uh, do you guys listen to Necrogoblicon? <laughs> no, 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 but that sounds incredibly Seriously, awesome. Go, go check out uh, <laughs> Necro Goblicon. Ne- Necro Goblicon, uh, the video "No One Survives." It's the best video, <laughs> like ever. I'm serious. Wow. I don't just, know. 
almost as good as uh, you remember the Red Fang video. For, I was, uh, was going to say Red Fang, man. I know that's probably one of the best rock videos ever. The this one, yeah, this one's right up with it. <laughs> nice. And Red Red Fang has a new disco. Do they? Yeah. See, that's or, it's or been so long version. since we've done the metal show. I don't I don't pay attention <laughs> anymore. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, that, actually, that reminds me. There's a petition on Change.org to get Guar to do the halftime show for the Super Bowl <laughs> for next year. So I signed it totally. Oh, <laughs> I would yeah. love to see that. <laughs> In Jersey? No, no, the next oh, one. Next yeah, year, they've okay. already got the act lined up for this year. But I, I just thought it would be awesome. Bon Jovi. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> right. As long that as he doesn't hysterical. have a wardrobe failure, I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they, they start with a wardrobe failure. I mean, where would they go from there? <laughs> That's true. Between Sambor and him, holy Christ. All right, cool, man. Well, thanks for hanging, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Okay, thanks for having me on the show. All right, brother. Peace. Nice. Good show. That was Mr. Colby. Excellent. And I guess, uh, yeah, I guess, shit, 10 o'clock, we might as well just wrap it up here and uh, drink some more beer. So That sounds like a great idea. Absolutely. <laughs> Works for me. So we'll wrap it up, pay a couple sponsors, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Check the website, and uh, don't forget to uh, use Amazon through our website. It helps us out a little bit. You're listening to Final Gravity Podcast. I'm from the Shippin' in Milford, New Jersey, and you're listening to the Final Gravity Podcast. I gotta find some dumb hot chicks to interview. <laughs> so, what's your favorite beer? Another intelligent discussion about beer. So what are you tasting that beer you're drinking? Really, you're asking that question? What kind of beer are you drinking, first of all? Well, apparently what I have right now is copper's dark ale. And I'll be honest with you. 
It's not my kind of beer, but right now, it's my kind of beer. Uh, Jim, what do you like about the beer you're drinking there? Uh, this uh, this beer right here, the best part about this beer um, so far is the fact that it's very wet. Uh, it also has uh, carbonation to it, so there's a plethora of bubbles. Um, I like the wetness, I like the bubbles, and uh, I like the fact that when I drink it, uh, the tastes are fantastic. What, so, what, what are some of the, the flavors you're getting out of that beer? Uh, well, definitely, I, I can taste uh, I taste more of the wetness than anything, um, and once again, the bubbles. So more or less the bubbles and the wetness is what I'm tasting at this point. How about you guys? What, what, what was your favorite beers? Hey, this is Casey Kramer. I'm from Riverhorse Brewing Company, and you're listening to the Final Gravity Podcast. Does your kegerator still look like it belongs in a dorm room? Do you still have Coors Light or NASCAR tap handles on it? Look no further. Fisher Woodcraft has the solution. Fisher Woodcraft hand turns, exotic hardwood tap handles, and let me tell you, these things are beautiful. Give your kegerator that sleek look with a Fisher Woodcraft tap handle. Fisher Woodcraft also offers hand-spun bowls, mugs, and more. Look them up online, www.fisherwoodcraft.com. That's www.fisherwoodcraft.com. Custom Graphics, located at 117 Washington Street, Newton, New Jersey, is your only source for signs, lettering, and large format vehicle wraps. Give them a call, 973-335-8141, or visit them on the web, customgraphicsnj.com. Custom Graphics, your source for everything lettering and large-scale printing. CustomGraphicsNJ.com. That's CustomGraphicsNJ.com. 